We're going to start with a dramatic reading. This comes from a play called The uh, Quilters. My name is Sandra McKendie Bronham. I've lived a long time and I've made a heap of quilts. But this last one that I'm thinking making, this one's going to be my best effort ever. It's like a family album. Each block means something special to me. My grandmother's patterns. I'm standing in front of the quilt. My grandmother's patterns in this quilt, my mamas, my aunts, my daughters, my sisters, my friends, and many more. They're all here, and so's this great prairie that we live on. This was a piece of my wedding dress, love, laughter, and tenderness. Pieces of lives, patches and tatters, all of the precious, the little, the matter of our lives. Pieces of lives, stitches and secrets, pieces of women's lives. Pieces of lives, swatches and notions, all the unspoken, emotion, devotion of our lives. Pieces of lives, stitches and secrets, pieces of women's lives. Thank you, Joanne, for helping out with this dramatic reading. It, like I said, it's from a play called Quilters. Quilters is a play I saw many years ago here at the uh, Montgomery Theater uh, with the San Jose Repertory Theater. It portrayed a group of women in the, in the prairie country that we can think back on when they came together to quilt and to put pieces together. And here, while they were gathered, they'd gather pieces and scraps of their lives and share them with each other. They'd bring them pieces of fabric from sheets, from worn-out clothes, from dresses, whatever they could salvage. They'd sew these scraps into uh, patterns that tell a story about their lives, the trials, the losses, the celebrations. I'm going to take... This is a good example of a quilt that has all these amazing little pieces. And these, this pattern is called the sister's pattern. It's the only one I know a name for. But you can begin to see how those are put together and um, lovingly cut carefully and sewn carefully. Quilts are a way of remembering. They hold stories. Now. I do want to take a minute to talk about the Bethel Quilters. I know a number of you know the Bethel Quilters or are part of that group, but they're an incredible group of ministers. They are, thanks to Joanne Weberg and her, their dedicated shepherd, um, they have become the largest quilting group in the Northern California, Northern Nevada Synod. That represents about 200 churches. And they are the largest group and, I would say, the most active. This group, your group of faithful women, meet every Monday, even during COVID if they could. They met outside or they met at Joanne's house. And they'd create out of bits and pieces and donations of linens. Some of them were incredible quilts. If you go in the sanctuary, you'll see just the amazing amount of quilts. So among the things that they quilt 
is this one, which is considered a lap quilt, and it goes to the Veterans Hospital in Palo Alto. These larger quilts go to Lutheran World Federation, Lutheran World Relief. And also, things like this school bag. They sew these together and fill them with an amazing amount of materials for people around the world. Now, I could go on and on about what I've learned about this, but I want you to talk to Joanne, because she is just full of stories and, and the dedication of these women and the donations that they give to Lutheran World Relief. Um, it's, it's a fun conversation. Quilting often is considered women's work, women's art form, if you will. It's made up of bits and pieces of a person's life formed into patterns and designs that tell the stories of resistance, of faithfulness, of hope. Quilting brings people together where they open up, they share their lives. You can't help if you meet every week. You share your lives, you connect, you create community. And you pray for each other and support each other. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about biblical quilting. Biblical quilting gathers us together to hear and connect with the people of faith through their time and through time in general to hear and remember God's promises and blessings that come through quilting the Bible. We hear bits and pieces of people's lives as they are pieced together into stories of faith and hope. Today's Old Testament readings quilt together the bits and pieces, the terrors and adversities, the promises and blessings, the resilience and faith of Abraham and God, Sarah and Hagar, Isaac and Ishmael. So those are the pieces that we start to quilt together. All these stories that you've heard now read out of Genesis are shared in Hebrew scripture, in Muslim scripture, and in Christian scripture. We all share this quilt together. This story fills much of the book of Genesis, if you ever want to get a hold of it. And it's, it's amazing. So we're from, we're in the 21st chapter of Genesis, but I'm going to start all the way back at the 11th chapter. So the quilt starts back at the time of Abraham hanging around Haran and being um, just being a, a, a tribal leader. His wife, his kids, the brother, father, the whole tribe is there. And God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to move and I'll show you the land I want you to go to. And I will give you a promise and a blessing. I promise to make a great nation of you, Abraham. And God blesses Abraham and says, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to all the people around you, to all the nations and all the peoples of the earth. Promises and blessings hold this quilt together. Now the next pieces of the quilt are Sarah and Hagar. Sarah, we are told throughout the book of Genesis, I, don't, I couldn't count the number of times, we're reminded that Sarah is without child. She is barren. They make that very clear. So that's a problem for Sarah. Here's the deal. In a patriarchal system, a woman, any woman, is considered property. She's property of her father, 
then she's property of her husband and his tribe. Her worth is based on having children, especially sons. If she has no children, she may lose her position in the family, in the tribe, and could easily become a concubine. The solution to Sarah's problem she came up with is Hagar, her slave girl. Sarah goes to Abraham and presents the problem. I haven't got any children. You haven't got any children. So here's my idea. Sarah commands Hagar to become a surrogate mother, to bear a child with who will then be taken by Sarah and Abraham as their child. But Sarah commands Hagar to do this. Thus, by having this happen, Sarah's position in the tribe is secured. Now the next piece, Hagar. Hagar, her name in ancient Hebrew means the foreigner, an alien, uh, an outsider, one who may be subjugated as a, slave, a sex slave. Abraham and Hagar become, or, yeah, Abraham takes Hagar and she becomes pregnant. This status causes her to take on an attitude. I'm pregnant and you're not. And she looks with contempt on Sarah. So Sarah has a problem again. Sarah gets angry and goes to Abraham and rails against her slave. And um, she demands that Abraham choose between she and God. Abraham does the right thing and passes the problem back to Sarah and says, the slave girl, notice they never use her name. The slave girl is in your power. Do with her as you please. So Sarah brutalizes Hagar. She really is cruel and mean. And she makes life miserable. So Hagar gets tired of it, runs into the wilderness, into the desert. Here comes another piece of the quilt. Hagar, in the wilderness, encounters an angel of the Lord. This is the first time, but we'll have some more encounters. The angel asks interesting questions. Where are you from? Where are you going? Note here that this is sort of an existential question for all of us. How often don't we think about where we're from? Whether it's home or our, our tribe back in the day. I mean, we think about where are we from? And how many of us haven't wondered the question, where are we going? Where are we going in our life? So maybe the angel isn't quite such, I mean, they're challenging questions. Sadly, the angel says to Hagar, you got to go back to Sarah. And you have to do what, she, you have to submit yourself to her. Do what she tells you. Now for the thread that's binding this quilt together. The angel gives Hagar a promise and a blessing. That sounds very much, by the way, like Abraham's promise and blessing. She will bear a son. She will name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard of her affliction. That's what Ishmael means. The Lord hears. And the blessing is, is that she will be a mother of many peoples. Sounds like the blessing Abraham got. Father of many peoples. Promises and blessings tie the quilt together. Hagar recognizes God at that point as God rather than the angel of the Lord. 
and she names God. She calls God Elroy, that is, God who is seen. Hagar is the only woman in the Bible to see God, and she is the only human in the Bible to name God. This is an amazing position for Hagar as we bring her into our quilt. Now we're going to fast forward through a whole bunch of Abraham and Sarah drama and get to today's lesson. It's the same characters, but we've added. We've added Ishmael. Ishmael, remember, God hears, has grown up in the tribe as Abraham's only son and heir. And at this point in the story, he's probably around 11 years old. Then we have Isaac come into the picture. And the Bible tells us that Isaac is circumcised, and now he's at the point of being weaned. Now, thanks to a, a neighbor of ours years ago who had, had been from Iran, she informed me that there's a tradition of a son, a baby son, being raised by his mother, but at a certain age, around seven or eight, they're turned over to their father to be indoctrinated and to be raised as a boy of the family. So Isaac is probably around seven. What we see in this picture that, um, in this lesson, is that Ishmael and Isaac are playing together and laughing together. And guess who? Sarah has a problem. She gets upset. She knows that those two playing together is going to cause trouble. So Sarah goes off to Abraham again and says, cast this slave woman out. Notice again, no name, with her son, because he will not inherit what my son is destined for. It's a problem of, of stature in the tribe. Who's going to win? Who's going to inherit? You know, even today, don't we go through this? What are we going to, who's going to be top of the family? Who's going to be top of the corporation? Who's going to come into a position of power? It hasn't changed. Now, an interesting problem here is Abraham. He's really distressed. He's really upset because Sarah is causing him to choose between his sons. And it's not, it's not comfortable. It's terribly uncomfortable. However, enter God with a promise and a blessing. God says to Abraham, whatever Sarah says, you do as she says. For it is Isaac who will inherit your name and all of your tribe. And as for the son, your son from the slave woman, I will make of him a nation, which we know is probably the ancestor of the Muslim nation. Promises and blessings. Abraham sadly gathers water and bread and sends Hagar and Ishmael out into the desert. And now we have the second encounter with an angel of the Lord. When the food and the water run out um, and Ishmael is almost near death, Hagar thrusts him under a branch and walks a distance away so that she will not look on the death of her child. Enter the angel of the Lord who again asks a rather obvious question, what troubles you, Sarah? I mean, uh, Hagar. 
notice the same question that a therapist or a pastor or a counselor would add. What troubles you? Then comes the promise and the reassurance, the blessing. The angel says, do not be afraid. Same words in our gospel, same words in the psalm. God has heard the voice cry just as God hears us. And the angel says, I will make a great nation of Ishmael. And then God opens Hagar's eyes and she sees a well of water, the well of life and resurrection. Promises and blessings. The thread that binds our quilts together, God promises to see and hear our every cry, our every pain, our every abuse we receive as women, as LGBTQIA, as those enslaved or trapped by cultural biases and fears. God blesses us with resurrection and restoration. The biblical quilt of blessing comes in our baptism. In the mark that we receive and the promise that we receive that we are marked with the cross of Christ forever. We become part of God's quilt. Amen. <laughs>